Hey, my name is John, and along with my wife, Kristen, who you'll meet in just a little bit, we're the pastors here at the Hills, and we're just glad you're here today. If you are a guest with us, then we're, I want to join with April and join with Brian, just saying we're delighted that you are with us this morning. And you picked a great day to be here because we're talking about the vision that we feel like God has placed on us as a church as we move into 2017. As we started talking about doing this the last two weeks, uh, I, I told our team, I'm like, man, the only thing about talking about our vision is, you know, we have guests coming in and all this stuff. And then I started, we started thinking about it. We we're like, man, if I was a guest and I showed up to a church that had good coffee and was friendly and had good Christmas music, and then they had a vision to do something to reach the city... Man, what better day than to be there. So we're glad you're here today. Uh, when you came in, this was sitting on your seat, uh, our, our vision card. And I'd love you to take that along with the vision envelope and just put that aside. And I'll be coming back to that in just a moment. We're going to be talking more about that. We started last week talking about um, our vision. And the vision for 2017 is we're just titling Loving Nashville. Everybody say, Loving Nashville. And you have been reading for the past three or four weeks some of the things that we're going to be doing uh, in, this, in this next season as we move into 2017. I don't know about y'all, but I'm ready for 2017 for two reasons. 2016 wasn't too good. I'm going to tell you right now. We, we pastor a lot of y'all, and we know some of y'all are ready just to kick 2016 on out. Let's say, let's see you later. Get on out. But even more so, I am fired up about 2017. I've never been more excited about pastoring and being a part of this church than I am right now. Look at your neighbor and say, you are here. You're the right person at the right place at the right time for the right reason. Uh-huh. Come on, give them that little Pentecostal at the end. Last week, we began... This message theme focusing on the vision of the one that we follow. I think many times we can talk about our vision and we forget to focus on the vision of the one that we're believing in. We are Christians, so maybe we should focus on the vision of Christ, right? And so we set last week aside and we talked about the vision of Jesus. And I want to recap very quickly. If you were not here, I would recommend you go back and listen to that uh, as well as we are now, we are now doing Facebook Live in our 11 a.m. service. For those of you that have relatives or friends that you want to tell them about that, 11 a.m. We're doing Facebook Live. All right, but I recommend you go and listen to that message so you can catch up. But let me recap real quick. John 10:10 10, 10 says this. Jesus said, "Here's the vision that I have. This is my vision that I have come." that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. The vision and the mission of Jesus Christ is that each and every one of us would live abundantly, not just get by. And the mission and the vision of the hills is we want to encourage and equip each individual to live the life that Christ promised, and that is abundant life. And then he says, I'm going to give you some specific steps how to do this. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only only Son, only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Three words that we use around here a lot, loving, giving, and living. 
These are the three foundations of what God has called us to do as a church. Loving passionately, giving generously, and that results in living abundantly. You want to have an abundant life? No? Okay. We thought it was rhetorical. What's a rhetorical? Okay. Just ask your neighbor, say, what's a rhetorical? It's a safari animal. Come on, y'all know that, right? We believe this. If you want to see abundant life happen in, your, in you and your family, you first of all got to have a so love, not just a love, but a love so much that you're willing to give, not just say, I love my city, I love my church, but I love it so much that I'm ready to get involved and to give. And the so love compels you to give. You ain't got to beg people to give if they love something so much. So love will just push you into that. So Jesus says this. He said, now that you know what I want to do and you know how much I love you, now let me share with you what I want you to do. John 15 and 12. This is where we closed out last week. This is my commandment that you love one another as I loved you. Greater love has no man than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. God's vision for us is that we would get God's vision. Not that we would have our own vision, but that we would grab hold of God's vision and it would become our vision. And his vision is this. I want you to love like I did. Very simple. I want you to love like I did. So I want to take a few moments and let's look at how Jesus loves. Number one, Jesus loves the world. If you're taking notes, write that down. You're going to see a number of these points on the screen today because I'm going to be covering a good bit of information. I want to make sure that those of you that learn auditory can get it, but those of you who learn visual, you can get it as well, all right? So we're going to cover all of it this morning. Jesus loves the world. Now think about this. We quote that, we say that, but I'm not sure we really think about it. you got heaven, and heaven is called heaven for a reason. It's perfect. It's beautiful. It's glorious. It's, it's everything you ever want. It's what we're longing for. That's where he was. But he had such a love for the world that he would lay all of that aside and come as a baby born in a manger. So when I see this and I hear him say, I want you to love as I love, Jesus loves the world. What does that mean to me? It means this. Think outside of ourselves. Think outside of what we're comfortable with, what is safe for us, what is easy for us. To move beyond our surroundings, to move beyond our perceptions, our misconceptions, to move beyond that and to love somebody that doesn't think like I think, doesn't look like I look, doesn't believe like I believe, but I would love them the same. I'm going to tell you something right now. In this political landscape that we're in, we've just gone through a couple of years of just rah, 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 rah. We hate y'all. We hate y'all. It's this polarizing thing. And in this space right now, we have people that believe different than somebody sitting right next to them. I'm going to tell you something. The, The love of Jesus Christ means this. I can love you even when I don't agree with you. Matter of fact, I may need to love you more. God loved the world so much that he would break out of his comfort zone and love people that were going to crucify him. 
That's what we're talking about, that kind of love, that we would break outside of that and love people that don't think like us, don't believe like us, have nothing in common with. That's the beauty of the local church. The beauty of a local diverse church is that we get to come every week and worship with people that we have nothing in common yet with. And yet the one thing we have in common is what makes us family. You would never even want to hang out with me on a normal day. But because you and I love Jesus Christ, we are family. I love nothing better than walking here this morning. And it was kind of a stressful time because the doors didn't get unlocked at the right time. And our guys were about an hour behind. And, man, they were just running around. I looked at them. They're doing it with sweating and just smiles, you know. Same guys that are here every Sunday morning. They're here at 6 a.m. And they're, they're setting things up. And I walk back there and I looked and I see a couple of guys working together that I know have completely opposing views on some things. And they're just smiling and talking about life and talking about, I'm like, there we go. That right there. You can come from your different backgrounds and paradigms, but we walk into this space right here, and we have one Savior, we have one Lord, there's one name that we're under, and it makes us family. Amen. Y'all going to make me hit my table. That's when you know you're getting fired up. Love like Jesus loves. How does he love? He loves the world, which means he lays aside his own comforts. Also, it means the big vision. He loved the world. That word love, world, means cosmos. He loved it all, the universe, everything, the bigness of it. He loved it all. If your vision can be accomplished by you, your vision ain't big enough. If I can accomplish the mandate on my life by myself, my mandate is not big enough. God always gives us a bigger vision than we can handle by ourselves. Can I hear an amen? That's why we got to connect with other people. That's why God puts us into a church family with big vision and wanting to accomplish big mission. We've got big things that we want to do. That's why God puts you. I don't know about you, but I'm happy to be a part of a church that has a big vision, that wants to reach the city of Nashville and beyond. I'm happy about that. Jesus loves the world. Think outside of yourself and have a bigger vision than you can handle. And number two, Jesus loves the city. He loves the world, but I'm going to tell you, sometimes it's easy to love the world because the world's way out there. Jesus didn't just love the world. He loved the city. There's a great passage in in the book of Luke that says this, that as Jesus drew near to the city, as he approached it, he stopped when he saw it, and he began to weep. And that when he says weep, that's not like a little tender tear, like just strong, like travail, like uh, doubling over, groaning. Why? Because he loved the city. He said, how long I've wanted to pull you together and nurture you and protect you. Jesus wants us to have a love for our city. You know, it's not by chance you are where you are. You know that, right? It's not by chance that you ended up in Nashville because God places you in the city that he wants you to be in. The Bible says in Luke chapter 2, don't turn there, 
uh, but it's, it's a Christmas story. It says that in Luke chapter 2 that Caesar, August, Caesar uh, put a census out for the entire world. The entire world, the whole Roman world. They said, we want to count everybody. And here's the way we want to do it. You're going to return back to the birthplace of your daddy and your grandpa. You got to get back to that place. And that's how we're going to count you. And there's a guy named Joseph that had a, a wife named Mary. And she was pregnant with the Messiah. And Joseph says, we got to go to Bethlehem. Because that's, that's, where, that's where my daddy, that's where my folks are from. Got to get back there and get counted. So he loads Mary, very, very pregnant, and says, we're going to make a trip to Bethlehem. You talk about an inopportune time, right? Like, why would you do that? And here's the reason. Because the prophet said the Messiah will be born in the city of Bethlehem. So look at me. God moved the entire world just to get Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. There's a reason you are where you are. There are so many times that I'll ask people out in the lobby, where are you from? I'm from so-and-so. What brought you to Nashville? And they always do it. They go, God, it's just God. How I many right now? That's you. You're here. It's God. You're right here. You should be somewhere else. Don't know why you're here. God, I'm going to tell you why you're here. God wants you to be here, and not just because he wants you to live in a really cool place, all right? God wants you to be here because he wants you to love this city. All right, some of y'all didn't get it, all right? I'm going to stop right there. Listen to what I'm saying to you, all right? God has you here because he wants you to love this city. He wants you to give to this city. He wants us to serve this city. He wants us to share with this city. Come on, we ought to be thankful that we get to live in a city that's easy to love, amen? We could be living, I've lived some places, and I thank God you didn't call me to love that. You put me right here. Thank you, Lord. So I want to talk about our city for just a moment. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not usually a big stat person, but I, I want to share some statistics with you that I think are going to help really build the foundation uh, for us as we move toward our vision. So first of all, I don't know if you know this, but Nashville has several names. You know, they call it Cashville. They call it Nash Vegas. Well, there's one that came out several years ago that it began to be known as Nowville. Everybody say Nowville. So Nashville is Nowville, and you hear that a lot, not really here, but when you travel. Hey, where are you from? Well, I'm from Nashville. Man, all my friends are moving to Nashville. You know, they're calling it Nowville. Yeah, we know that. We're living in Nowville. Yeah, that's what's happening with us. The estimated population of Nashville is 660,000 people. That's the city limits. Metro, which includes Franklin and Murfreesboro, is estimated to have 1.75 million people. It's Nowville. People want to live right here. Conservative numbers, and there's a varied, people will tell you all kind of stuff, but the conservative numbers, these are the most conservative numbers I could find, says that 85 people per day are moving to Nashville. That's 2,500 a month. That's 30,000 a year. And I'm going to tell you what, every single one of those people are bringing five cars. Every single one of them are bringing five cars. Come on, can I get a witness about 440? Come on. Anybody try to go down Green Hills lately? Don't even think about it. Just Amazon that stuff, y'all. Come on. Don't even go to Green Hills. Jesus, help us. Look at me. Let me tell you something else. Everybody say Nowville. 
The world is coming to us. I remember hearing my daddy preach, we got to go to the world. We got to reach the world. We got to go reach the world. And I still believe that. But Nashville's immigrant population has the fastest growth rate of the largest cities in America. The fastest growth rate. In eight years, the immigrant population in Nashville has soared by 83%. Over 132 language groups are represented in the city of Nashville. Listen, we do not even have to leave the city limits to go to the world. It's, sometimes we want to write a check to go to the nations. Look, maybe just go check on your neighbor because they're from another nation. It's just that simple right here. Everybody say Nashville is Nowville. This is one of the greatest reasons to to partner with your local church is to help reach the world. This is why we're partnering with other other community organizations around, why we've written checks this week to ministries right here in our neighborhood that are reaching out to the nations that are here, serving the needs of our city, serve days and outreach initiatives. That's why it's so important to be a part of what God has called us to do as a church. And I see some of you, when I said that about the immigrant thing, you're like, because there's been this rhetoric about political thing and the immigrants and all that stuff. Look, I don't care if you're right, left. I don't care what you are. It doesn't matter. At this point, we're in the kingdom of God. Right here, right now, okay? This ain't about people taking your jobs. This is about they're here. We need to love them and serve them and give to them. I don't care if you're amen or not. That's the truth right there. Look at your neighbors. That's the truth. I don't care who you are. Come on. Amen. Nashville is Nowville, but it's not just Nowville. I want to name it something else today. I want to propose to you that Nashville is also Nextville. Write that down. Nashville is also Nextville. Let me tell you why. The projections show that the population of Nashville Metro is set to soar by 38% from the year 2010 to the year 2035. So here's what that means. In the next 20 years, the population of this region is going to exceed 2.6 million people. Let that sink in for just a minute. We're going to double. And those of you that live in Williamson County, you're going to grow by 99% in the next 10 years. Not 20, 10, y'all. Nudge your neighbor and say, we got to get rid of some stuff, y'all. Come on, we got to... Nextville, they're come, they're, they haven't just showed up because it ain't just Nowville. They're still coming, baby. It's Nowville, but it's also Nextville. Let me tell you another reason it's Nextville, because of the millennial population in Nashville. Now, those of you, don't tune me out because I'm going into statistics, all right? Everybody say millennial. There's a whole bunch of y'all right here, 18 to 34. That's, that's who you are. You make up one quarter of the United States population, 25%. But you make up 30% of the Nashville population. The millennials are the largest demographic group in America's history. That's bigger than the baby boomers. And y'all know why they're baby boomers, right? Because daddy came home from war and he and mama were happy to see each other and just babies started booming, you know? Lots of babies. 
But then baby boomers like making babies too because there's millennials are dwarfing the baby boomer population. Listen, Nashville is nextville. The millennials are here. They're coming 30%. The growth rate between 2007 and 2013 is 37% millennials that are moving to Nashville. You think that's something? Now let's talk about the post-millennials. Everybody say post-millennials. They're, they don't even have a name yet. They don't even know what to call them. You know, there were baby boomers, and then there were Gen Xers, and then there's millennials. And now everybody's trying to figure out what they're going to call this. Some of them call them the I generation. Some call them Gen Tech, Net Gen, Generation Z. They're unnamed at this moment because they're still a young generation. But let me tell you about them. They already make up 25% of the United States population. One quarter, we are Nextville. God is about to send us. God is not about, he is sending us an entire generation. And I'm telling you, they are primed for what God has called us to do. Let me give you some incredible statistics about them. This is some things I love about them. Number one, they're less likely to believe in the ideals of the previous generation. So they're not, there's not a lot of tradition on them, okay? They question the American dream. Two cars, a house, that thing. They question that, all right? Now listen, I'm going to tell you in a minute why I like that about them. 9-11 and 2008 recession has brought unsettlement and insecurity in them. And so because of this, they're generally more risk-averse in certain activities than earlier generations. All right? Listen to this. Check this out. Researchers compared teens from 2008 to teens from 2014, and they found a 40% drop in teen pregnancy. That's six years, y'all. A 38% drop in drug and alcohol abuse. A 28% drop in the percentage of teens who did not graduate on time from high school. So they're the people that have seen all hell break loose. They've seen their mamas and daddies go ups and downs and try to figure life out and try to figure out security and terrorism and and, and the economy. And so here's what they say. They say, all right, we're going to be more safe. We're not going to make dumb decisions. Come on, some of your parents should be right now and say, oh, thank you, Lord, for that. Thank God they ain't going to make the decisions that, that I made. But here's what I love about This is what fires me up is the balance. Check this out. At the same time, they are also more entrepreneurial and yet pragmatic. They're smarter, more mature, safer, and yet they still want to change the world. They want security. They want safety, but they also want to make a difference. Y'all, look at me. Wait, listen, don't clap. Clap after I say this, okay? Listen, they want safety, but they want to make a difference. There's no better place than the church of the living God for you to be able to do that. Right here. Now clap, clap. Right here. This is where I want my boys to be. This is where I want their children to be, in the house of God. That is a safe place, a caring place. I want your children, Kristen and I, our team, we want your children, when they think about safety and they think about security, they think about the house of God. 
And at the same time, when they think about somebody's going to say, all right, come on, let's go now. We can make this. We can take this. They're going to think, man, the house of God. It's time for us to begin to focus on discipling them. It's time for us to focus on raising up leaders. We are Nextville. Now, let me tell you something about that whole deal. Let's, I want us to compare the generation church attendance. One in two of my dad's generation attend church. So that baby boomer generation, one in two, half of them attend church. My generation, one in three attend church. Evan's generation, one in four attend church. And that's not even including the post-millennials, the ones that are below that. Who knows what that's going to be? You notice a trend there? So we are compelled as a church to think outside of ourselves to love the world. We're compelled to think about our city and what our city is going to become. We're compelled to think about the future and not just what we want right now, not just what we like right now. We are compelled to love like Jesus loved and to create an environment that is inviting and yet exciting. To focus on who God is bringing to us. Let me tell you something. I believe, I believe that we're really close, really, really close to us getting our own building. I really believe that. Now, I want to say something to you. About three years ago, we started talking to our team about don't make it about the building. Come on. Because got, we got in this thing like we just had a building. We got to have a building. We need a building. And it kind of like we just, uh, and we felt like the Lord was saying, look, you got to be a good steward over where you are right now. Amen. And so let me just say something to you. This is a great building we're in. I mean, I have church planning friends all the time that will see where we are and go, man, I want that, you know. It's a nice building. We thank God for it. And as long as we're here, we're going to do everything we can to make it excellent and exciting and the best that it can be. But we also believe with everything in us that God has prepared a space for us out there. And and not just a a space so we can say, well, we've got us a church building now. We're an official church, you know what I'm saying? No. We want it to be a space that is a venue for abundant living on a daily basis. Not where we open up on Sunday and then we close it down to the next Sunday. And maybe a Wednesday night here or a Friday night there. No. We believe that God is going to give us this space that's going to be a buzz with activity. That's going to have outreaches and initiatives that the community, when they think about what they're going to do on a certain night, their first thought is, wonder what's going on at the hills. That your children, your youth have a place, a safe place to come, and yet an exciting place to come. This is what we want. We're believing for that, that it just doesn't happen on Sunday. We always say, uh, say this a lot, what if Target ran their business like most churches do? Just a big honking footprint with a big parking lot. Oh, we're only open on Sundays for about five hours. And we got some offices over here. It would go out of business, right? I believe church is the most wasted space in America. Because it's this big footprint with all the lights and the sound. What if we could have a space that is used all the time and, and schools get to use it and community programs get to use it and we get to use it? Does that just excite me? That's fine if it is, because I'll get just excited as I need to get, all right? What if I'm believing? 
I'm believing that God has set the hills in Nashville for such a time as this. Write this down. The hills, a place for the Nashville natives. How many of y'all grew up here? The hills is a place for you. But it's also a place for the Nashville new as they come in looking for a spot, looking for a place. Did you know there's a study that just came out by Barna that says 59% of adults don't ever want to move? That's a big change in America. Americans have always been moving, but now 59% of adults say they don't want to go anywhere. Well, man, what if we could provide a place and says, you ain't got to go nowhere. You can come right here and be a part of this. The Nashville natives, the Nashville new. Nashville is also, the hills is going to be a place for the Nashville next. Those that are out there, they haven't even been a part of us yet. But the hills is also going to be a place for the Nashville now. Right here, right now. And that's important. Let me tell you why that's important. We can project. I mean, I did a lot of research. There's researchers and surveyors and people trying to project and guess. And I'm going to tell you, we can project all we want to. But we don't know what Nashville is going to look like in the next 10 years, in the next 20 years. We don't know. We don't know what Nashville is going to We don't know what the hills is going to look like in the next 10 years or the next 20 years. But listen to me. But I know who does. And he's the one that speaks clearly. He's the one that sets things up. He's the one that directs things. I don't have to know what it's going to look like in 10 years, 5 years. All I need to know is, what's my next step right now? What is God calling me to do right here, right now? In just a moment, we're going to pray about that. We're going to spend some time, and we're going to pray. As we've been telling you for the past uh, three or four Sundays, and we told you again today, today is the day that we receive um, what we feel like God has called us to do as a church toward our vision offering. And this is, this is above our tithes and offering. This is above that. The tithe is basic. That's, everybody's supposed to be doing that. That's not a big deal. That's what God calls us to do, and that's what we're supposed to do. But, and we believe in that as a church, and I'm so thankful for those of you that are faithful in your tithing. And if you're not faithful in your tithing, I want to encourage you to do that. This is above that. This is where we say, I want to be a part of moving this vision forward. I mean, the vision that God has given the hills is going to happen because God gave it to us. Y'all hear me? All right, now that I'm talking about this, don't tune me out. This is the most important part, okay? Listen to me. The vision that God has given the hills is going to happen because it is a God-given vision. Not because I'm here. It's going to happen. Not because you're here. It's going to happen. But you and I get to play a part in how soon it happens. Right here. By our giving, by our serving, and by our sharing. This is our third year of receiving this. Third year that we've had these We're moving into that third year. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to take this, hold this in your hand, and take that vision offering envelope, hold this in your hand. And there's one side that's going to, you're going to fill some information out, and the other side is where you're going to put what you feel like your family has has been called called to. This is our third year. I want to give you some totals, okay? Look at this. In 2015, the total that was given 
was $66,456. That was our first year. Look at this. Last year, the total given was $117,972,000. That's a double. We doubled in a year. Now listen to this. We're a six-year-old church. We've only been receiving vision offering for two years, going into our third year. Last year, we were also able to take a good amount of our budget and put toward our vision offering. So I'm going to share with you right now where we stand. Our total vision offering right now is $325,898.44. That's a six-year-old church that's been receiving vision offering for two years. It's our third year as we move into that. As I prayed about this, what's God calling us to? And Chris and I prayed about what God has called us to do and what God has called the hills to do. I began to look at these numbers and I realized that we doubled. We doubled our vision offering from one year to the next. So you know what I'm believing? I'm believing we're going to do it again. I'm believing that by the end of 2017, we're going to look back And we're going to be able to report that $400,000 was given toward our vision offering. Now, last week, I made that statement, and I went home, and I told Chris, and I said, I think I had them until I threw out that $400,000. Felt like they kind of went quiet on me. I, I don't know. You know what happened just then? My faith had to rise up a little bit. And I'm telling you, I have never had more crazy faith than I do right here, right now. I'm believing for it. It won't surprise me one bit if we don't have multiple people write $100,000. It won't surprise me one bit if somebody writes a million-dollar check. Not one bit. Not one bit. That's where my faith is. Because it ain't coming to me. It's not coming to keep the lights on. It's coming to help us further the vision that God has called us to. Nashville, Nextville. Let me just share a couple things with you. To reach $400,000, that's, that's a lot of money. But that's just four people giving $100,000. We've already had one person do it. So that's just three people giving $100,000. That's 40 people giving $10,000. 40 people giving $10,000. That's 10% of our church. That's 100 people giving 4000 over the course of a year. 200 giving 2000 or if 400 people gave 1000 over a year. That kind of breaks it down. It's like, okay, well, that's kind of manageable right there. We're not asking you to do anything that's going to put you in a bind or mess you up. Matter of fact, we're asking you to think strategically, to plan, to budget, to prepare, and then take a step of faith. Chris and I are going to double what we gave last year. Not asking you to do that. That's just what we feel like God's called us to do. Matter of fact, you notice I didn't have him come up in the beginning of the message because I didn't, I didn't want to manipulate your mood. Look at this scripture right here. 2 Corinthians 9 and 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, but also under, not under compulsion because God loves a cheerful giver. So I want you to take that envelope out right now and we're going to take a little time take some time for those of you that just need to pray about it 
feel like you kind of know, but you just want to spend a little time on it. And on this back side here, it says your total pledge. For some of you, you're going you're gonna to write down your total pledge, and then you're going to say, well, I'm going to give that. I'm going to give that as monthly or weekly and spread that out over 2017. But I'm also believing there are others that are just going to say, you know what? I'm ready to do this thing. Let's go. I've got it. I want to give it. I'm believing it. Man, would that be amazing? We roll into 2017 right now. Just let's go. Let's go. Let's go do this thing. In Jesus' name. I want Chris.